0: nobody is vetting no the the qualifications or the process for installing a person in a position of power um there's no there's no longer any validity to the process right and that celebrity or association with power i mean i think a lot of these other media um personalities um and people involved in the aspen institute looked at a person like prince harry and figured he's someone of some uh report right of, of some someone with some repute he had he's from a a credible position and he sways a lot of people because of that position and because he's decided to be a bit of a um uh a, a dissident from you know the the royal family which did not would not historically have gotten involved in this type of thing right. that that lends them more credibility and it's incredibly out of touch and it's incredibly you know, tone deaf of them to believe that because a ton of people and not just Fox News listeners think this is ridiculous and do not do not uh, whatever authority that a Prince Harry might be asserting, people do not buy it. Love the British monarchy. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away,
1: Kinsey. Hi, guys. Kinsey Schofield here. Thanks so much for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast. Today's guest is a friend of mine, Matt Bolinski. You are a media and business attorney, but you're also the very clever host of the Prevailing Narrative Podcast. And if you have not listened to our episode um, and you're here listening to To Die For Daily, as soon as you wrap with us, go to Matt's podcast, listen to the Prevailing Narrative, narrative. It's amazing. And we have an incredible episode on Harry and Megan. We talk victim currency and and all of this stuff. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time today, because I know you're very busy.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I appreciate the kind words.
1: Absolutely. Um, so you were the first person I thought of when I saw the Twitter, you know, the Twitter files drop this Aspen Institute mention. Um, sure. And and I just want to give some backstory, because it's, uh, it's like a web of chaos, <laughs> you know, but I, what I really want to know from you is, you know, this is being described as domestic propaganda with mm-hmm. U.S. taxpayer money. So at the end of all of this, I want to know if that is, is your opinion, too. So Prince Harry is the commissioner of the Aspen Institute Digital Commission. You know, a foreign prince coming over and just being given a a platform like that sounds like privilege. But what do I know? Katie Couric is the head of it. Um, Now, they've released a report that some are describing as condescending. It it was funded by Craig Newmark, who is the founder of Craigslist, Mm -hmm. who, you know, not too long ago, you could find a hooker and a free couch on that platform.
0: (laughs) Uh, Amongst other things.
1: Amongst other things, Um, now Prince Harry has previously said that the First Amendment is bonkers. You and I both know that we fought a war in 1776, so we didn't have to listen to Prince.
0: uh, Like many of Prince Harry's views of you, that's not held by anyone with a maturity level above the age of (laughs) twelve.
1: Savage. Um, But you know, he's he's it. Seem seemingly, he's trying to change the landscape of social media in the states. He's trying to change. You know, freedom of speech in the States. Why is this not a bigger story in, in America? It is Doesn't it feel like this is getting buried? And, and doesn't this feel like a big story?
0: It's definitely a big story. And people have been speculating on why uh, many of the revelations from the Twitter files haven't been bigger stories. I mean, you know, they, they've definitely gotten some attention, some. Um, uh some spotlight but i mean i'd say the biggest reason they they haven't gotten that much currency here in the states is because it reflects poorly on the mainstream media in general so they yes. don't want to they don't want to cover the story that uh exposes their nefarious activities and and also you know how they're bad at their jobs um because a lot of this and and the the you know, amazing paradox of the misinformation debate and a lot of the activity around it is that the people claiming to be the most concerned about misinformation or fighting misinformation are the ones engaging in misinformation pretty consistently. Um, And the Twitter files uh, exposed that, that a lot that the the Twitter, which uh, ostensibly at first glance, is a private company and that's what a lot of the uh those who defend Twitter and its content moderation policies and censorship and carrying a heavier hand will always defend it as it is a it's a private company and thus it can do what it wants which also is not true neither in terms of the law um or journalistic ethics right because it's not just about the law you also should if you operate a speech platform or a media platform you should be trying to operate in accordance with best principles and you know the first amendment should be a guiding light there regardless of whether or not you're legally bound by it. Um, But regardless, hey, they they would always defend Twitter as a private company. Well, okay, what if that private company is working in cahoots, uh, is crafting its content moderation policies and implementing censorship policies at the behest and in, in conjunction with both governmental organizations like the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and pseudo or quasi governmental organizations, NGOs, some would call it like the Aspen Institute that aren't technically organs of the government, but receive a ton of funding from the government. Um, And of course, they're going to operate at the instruction of the government because, hey, who pays the bills gets to direct the orders. Right. So what happened with the Twitter files and with uh, a lot of the uh, revelations about the content moderation is that Twitter was having meetings throughout the pandemic and even before them, it really ramped up during the pandemic with uh, government with you know uh, express government actors like the FBI and DHS but also with uh quasi government uh government institutions like the the Aspen Institute um and they were all kind of having a committee having a convention around so-called misinformation um they claimed that they one they claimed they weren't doing this right so just yeah. in terms of being exposed that they were lying about doing it and two uh, a lot of the positions that they that they took and then they then used, tried to use Twitter to enforce ended up being wrong. Um, and they didn't just end up being wrong. They, they seem to be acknowledged as either uh, incorrect or incomplete at the time when you can even see some of the communications around the Twitter files or some of these quasi-government, uh, some of the representatives of these quasi-government institutions are saying, uh, well, you know, one of the uh, prongs of the information that we need to protect against is information that might be true, but still might catalyze vaccine skepticism. So they were trying to shut down information that even was true, was accurate, just because it might might guide people towards what they believe to be the wrong beliefs.
1: Right. And you said trying to. I mean, they did. They shut down accounts that, you know... Full, coming full circle, how many years later we're finding out some of that information was true and these people yeah. had their accounts shut down for no apparent reason. I had that mentioned in this third, this third part I have where I have notes about this where, you know, Harry is accusing others of doing exactly what he was doing and that's exactly what you just said, that, that this is something that they typically do. Um, and then I wrote right here too, Prince Harry gets people banned from platforms because of his relationship. So, yeah. a lo- you know, some of these people are getting banned just because he he can call in a favor which he's established i mean if it has any is involved any way shape or form with our government why would a foreign prince be a commissioner on it does that make any sense to you
0: your guess is as good as mine, and it, it would align with the nonsensical nature of these policies and how they were conceived of and implemented to begin with. In that these, uh, essentially, uh, COVID and a number of other uh, features of recent American life, have just scrambled people's brains and led the, and and freaked them out to an extent that they took actions that were not at all justified and really betrayed both their principles and if they weren't their principles, the principles they should have been holding and and should have been guided by, um, all in the name of trying to protect the world trying to protect anyone who is was part of you know uh, a recipient a recipient of information via social media or media from quote-unquote the wrong information and to try to direct behavior um based on their beliefs and if that re- required or if that meant that they had to censor people that they had to enforce or sense a you know term is manufacturing consent or manufacturing consensus um they would do so so they threw every principle of truth um and you know and a healthy scientific process towards uh, towards establishing truth out the window um all in the supposed name of fighting misinformation but really fighting uh fighting any information that would cast doubt on their positions many of which turned out to be wrong um and then yes a lot of that got infiltrated by people who consider themselves to be faux humanitarians and no one's a more prominent faux humanitarian than Prince Harry and his wife. Um, and yes, it's these people who, despite, uh, regardless of their uh, of their qualifications, regardless of their credibility, felt that they had the authority to go and direct, tell everybody else what's right and, and how to live, and were, we're critical of some people for completely uh, reasonable positions and and completely reasonable uh, uh, reasonable activities. And so I, I think that's regardless of whether it's someone who was technically a member of a foreign government or just someone who had no business being involved in determining what information was spread online anyone who who thought that anyone who was so sanctimonious to believe that they had all the answers about society felt a little more compelled to get involved in this process. And that happened to be Prince Harry.
1: That's yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And do you feel like uh, if Prince Harry had come over and courted the Fox news of the United States, (laughs) if he had been on Newsmax, if he had been on whatever else exists, Sure. That the, the mainstream media would be more critical of him and, and his involvement. I, I wonder if Oh, if, no.
0: Yeah. Maybe,
1: yeah. I just feel Norm- like because they've they've catered a very to, to a very specific demo, they're getting a, a free pass.
0: Absolutely. Uh, yes, there's a, an elite consensus around uh any even mildly right-wing views being Taboo views, the wrong views, evil views, and anything um, associated with kind of modern liberalism as being the right way, morally pure and accurate. Um, And we, we of course, know that that's not true. Um, And so we we all know that had Prince Harry or any other public figure started to give any credence to um, even whether or not, you know, whether or not aligning themselves with a Fox News or a Newsmax, but giving any credence to. Um organizations uh, or people that were were you know that were uh, uh, delivering a message that Ran contrary to the establish uh, to the liberal establishment that they were going to get heat that they were going to be criticized and cast out as some sort of reactionary um, or noob or purveyor of misinformation. So yeah, I mean it's e- it's either get in line with uh, uh, get uh, someone met, has described it as the vertically integrated messaging apparatus, and if you're not in alignment with that vertically integrated messaging apparatus that is from you know online liberal influencers. To the social media companies that were, until recently, uh, uh, with with the exception now of Elon Musk and, and Twitter, um, all run uh, by people who you know uh, wanted to uh, w- wanted to further uh, purely liberal and prog- modern progressive principles. If you weren't in alignment with that, you were going to get some heat.
1: Okay, I just want to read you some of the recommendations that the A- A- Aspen's Digital Commission's. I read it, so the world doesn't have to. <laughs> sure. Um, Uh, Well, one of the things that I thought was interesting and I'd like your feedback is they define disinformation and misinformation. They say that it's two different things. Disinformation is intentionally spreading lies. Misinformation is unintentionally spreading lies. Is that the same thing as like, no, this is my truth. (laughs) I mean, I don't understand. Are they just making things up?
0: Pretty much. I mean, I guess, sure. I guess you could make that distinction, you you know, if you look hard enough. Um, But it it just all We made, uh, humanity made it, uh, was doing pretty well moving along without the terms misinformation and disinformation to describe things that were, what's wrong with lie? what's wrong yeah. with inaccuracy we it's no longer good enough to describe something as false inaccurate or a lie we now have to label it as misinformation or disinformation to give it a more uh uh more sinister valence like originally misinformation and disinformation these these were more were terms used in only you know very select circles of national intelligence because it was supposed to uh describe a, a deliberate campaign by a foreign government to create a you know, misinformation, disinformation campaign. And then that it somehow got Trojan horse into American society around the Donald Trump, Russia accusations under the suspicion or, or the claim that this that Donald Trump's campaign in 2016 was part of a Russian misinformation uh, campaign right a deliberate thing from a hostile foreign uh, hostile sovereign power right um and then it just it it, it it the blast radius of that term just expanded exponentially and people started using it for every situation where they had disagreed with someone and mm. uh or either disagreed with someone um or believed that a person was incorrect and right. it's just really the uh it's it's just bastardize the whole discourse around trying to determine truth because we use this term that was meant for something completely different to describe everything.
1: Extreme. Yeah, an extreme. Absolutely. Um oh, so one of the requests they're making, or one of the recommendations they're making, is that researchers are given access to our private information to make society better. <laughs> what? I mean, I that I literally like like gasped when I read that. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, we can't trust anybody with our information as is, but to ask that people could to, to, that somebody at whatever research should call up YouTube and get my personal information. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way you can trust guarantee that the only, the right people would have that information if it's just free to give out.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, along with the first amendment and freedom of speech, a lot of people, um, everyone focuses on freedom of speech they some at some sometimes overshadows um right of privacy which is a very similar right right you can be sued for violating someone's right of privacy just like someone could be sued for a violation or or you know run afoul of the first amendment um so the right to privacy is a sacred right and then there's it, it's you know more narrowly but specifically applied in a number of different situations um for instance with personal medical information and that's one that became an issue during COVID because the whole claim was that we need to know your personal medical information because whether or not you have this virus or whether or not you have been vaccinated is somehow impact going to impact public health in general. Um, and they... There was a case they could make for that, right? And for instance, we need to know, we need a person to disclose if they've been coughing, right? Because then they might have COVID and then they shouldn't be in a public space, a crowded public space because they're going to contribute to the spread of this virus. Um, Sure, you could make that claim. um, But they made that claim very poorly. They made it in all the wrong scenarios and they really overstepped their bounds in in their demands for people to uh, waive that right to privacy. Um, And yes, it's a complete violation uh, of really fundamental human rights. And um, yeah, it further points to their chutzpah and arrogance and believing that they have the right to make these decisions on behalf of people.
1: There's also this claim, and they call it pay to play, um, where they explain that these these sheep users or, you know, um, not influencers, but just like these people that have maybe no profile picture and 30 followers, um, they're being led by individuals that are paid to promote an opinion and other people just Follow blindly. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's just so. Uh, again, I I use the word condescending to think that because you don't agree that I don't like something, I must be paid or influenced yes. by somebody that's paid. I mean, is yes. that wild?
0: Uh, yeah. Listen, the, there's always see the thing is there's always a kernel of truth to to their position, and then they just expand it well beyond what that truth would support. Right. For instance, I mean, there are a lot of anonymous accounts that are bots. Right. Yes. It could be just following a Pied Piper. Right. Um, however, then they then suggest anytime they find an in uh, a group of people or a person um, with an inconvenient you know, point of view or position that they can't explain. Otherwise, they always just track back without any support to the claim that it's a, a result of misinformation. Um, so, yeah, bad faith claims of not just misinformation, but of someone's belief being the result of misinformation, both pretty prolific these days.
1: Well, and I just to bring it back to Royals, you know, we hear Harry and Megan talk a lot about how everybody they, there's no way people don't like Megan. So it has to be bots that are going after Megan or and racism. If- or it's racism it's bots or people like me are paid by kensington palace to be critical of them i Mm. you know i can honestly say kensington palace has never cut me a check although you know (laughs) i'm happy to share my bank info Mm. um they encourage this is crazy to me they encourage the readers of this report to invest in local media which you know i i can't who is it who was the guy that got in trouble with I've seen other people do this that, that have like media empires. They'll go buy, you know, um, the, the, the small town newspaper, just because it it is a way they don't say this, but it's a way for you to influence the way people think Mm -hmm. by buying up and investing in these smaller media entities. Um, isn't that kind of crazy that they would, would, would suggest something like that. This is a Um, recommendation.
0: You know, Yes and no. I'd say that, yes, it's troubling because they're so wrong, right? Right. Because these people, everything they do is so, um, has a poor factual record and is clearly unethical, right? So anything, any, any suggestion that extends from that is going to be somewhat problematic. However, the idea that, hey, you should go try to be more impactful on a local level through different media orgs, um, I don't think is in and of itself a crazy notion. I mean for instance, in Los Angeles we're doing it you know we're doing it ourselves right and that we think that the LA Times is actively working uh, against the interests of the city the, the residents and the citizens here in LA. Um, but unfortunately that's uh, a hot you know we're not going to go buy the LA Times. Um, yeah. so there are other local publications that that people that I know are trying to buy up. So I don't think it's in and of itself, crazy um it's just bad because they're bad so well, that if you're I, going- I think
1: that that's what I'm I guess I worded that wrong I, I guess my my feeling is if you are going to put together a 500 page report about how to make the internet a better place and how to make the world a better place and and communicate mm-hmm. better you know why are you not thinking about the little people because it's not it's you know I I don't I don't want to use somebody specific as an it's not celebrities that are hanging themselves because of mean tweets it's 14 year olds you know so the idea they're talking to the elite they're training the elite on how to continue to be the elite i think is what my point was instead of worrying about the small yeah
0: but i think it's it's core to their thesis is that the this is their thesis that before the internet information was dis- was more centralized because it was only being disseminated through a handful of ve- of concentrated and well vetted sources newspapers a handful of tv stations it wasn't everywhere then what happened was we figured okay this can be with the internet everybody can be a journalist and everybody can you know we're going to expand the volume and velocity of information out there and great sounds good and then that didn't turn out how they thought it was going to turn out and it led to some results Um, that either one, they didn't expect or two, that they found troubling. So, okay, now, okay, we need to rein this back in. We need to rein the power back in and we need to take control of how information is disseminated once again. And functionally, it's very difficult because we can't just shut the internet down from everybody. So how do we do that? And that's, that's the challenge. That is essentially what they're in the process of trying to do.
1: Wow. Oh, that's so scary. Now, um, you talked to one of my friends recently, Christo, and he cut you off right when you were like you were having this like brilliant moment.
2: That all adds credibility to actually the royals saying, well, what are you complaining about? What have we actually done wrong?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and well I I'm hes- I'm hesitant to ascribe it to a personal factor like ADHD as opposed to more societal factors um and and essentially that that he's become a victim and an easy mark for a lot of um ne- you know neg- negative values that I see as um very evident and consistent in the faux social justice community and that people regardless of whether they suffer from ADHD or their parents didn't love them or they just are bored, Um, people who attach themselves to the kind of contemporary social justice movements, very much like you see Meghan Markle do, um, and and that you know, let's be honest, most most of these are hollow. Um, the cult the the culture, the values and and the norms of that culture of social justice are
2: to inflate perceived grievances. Yeah, you're, you're right. right. So, so it's actually could be even without the ADHD, it's like a yeah. a perfect stop. And also, again, talking from personal experience, even with even if it's with ADHD or not, I'm very lucky to have a partner that doesn't enable it doesn't pour fuel on yeah. the fire whereas it does sound like whether it's adhd or not um th- the role of megan in harry's life is to actually pour petrol on those flames and to say well yeah yes you're right you have been rejected it has been terrible yeah yes. the world is against you they were against me too whereas mm-hmm. perhaps what what a better partner would do is is say well you know have you thought this through are you are you having a sort of a, a response that's rational rather than emotional here yes, so or go on. more
0: maturity where uh, a more mature perspective in life which is not a very evident of those who attach themselves to these kind of contemporary uh, of the moment social justice causes as they do um is the notion that character and integrity are measurements of how much you're not bothered by things. Yes. That the true signs of character, integrity, resilience, like these positive qualities that used to be val- until very recently were were highly valued in, you know, in American society. I don't know how bad it is in the UK, but it seems to be pretty bad out yeah, there we, too. Yeah, we're really and getting now, there. Yeah, we we now elevate uh, uh victimhood and grievance i mean a term you know phrase term that i've used in describing some of this on my podcast is inflation of victimhood currency yeah. is that you know the currency of victimhood socially now is
2: higher so if you incentivize victimhood what are you going to get but i victim- could talk to you about this for us <laughs> and i
1: wondered if you could finish the thought here um, you talked about I think you were talking about Harry and how Mm -hmm. he's been rewarded here in the States. This victimhood currency is, is the way you phrased it. But you, you said here in in America, we used to reward resilience and you were just, you were right there and I was like cheering you on. And then you got cut off. Can you go back and and talk to me a little bit about that? Because Mm -hmm. it is the tide turning. Are we, are we going to start rewarding resilience again? And are we going to stop, Lifting the Jesse Smollett's of the world, or do you really feel like we have plunged into this like the depths of despair? We've
0: plunged into the depths of despair. There will be some backlash to that, selectively, unfortunately, not enough. So, you'll see a couple encouraging signs here and there, but it's still going to leave us in a bad place. Uh, and yes, uh, the notion of trying to that, that the if society says that the Personal qualities you should try to exhibit should be those of you know, resilience and, and heroism and uh, accomplishment and trying not to be bothered by small little bumps in the road or small grievances and that whining is kind of uncouth. And that's a society that we used to, not entirely like that, but we used to be a society more aimed in that direction. And then we became a society that very much elevated and valorized and glorified victimhood and people expressing how much they were wronged how much they were hurt and encouraging people to express that and emphasize that. Um, and that is, those cues are definitely what Heron and Harry and Megan followed. They may have followed them to their detriment because, Hey, society didn't just completely and utterly implode at its foundation. There's still a lot of sensible thinking people out there who don't like to hear people whine and bitch about small stuff. And I think that uh, there's been some backlash there. You're going to, and like I said, you're going to find the backlash, selectively right you know you'll find it in um comedians like Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Louis CK remaining who who you know kind of have more of a a gruff, comedic, sarcastic view of these things and a little more no-nonsense. They're still very popular. So, okay, the fact that p- these people um, are still very popular shows there's a lot of people who pr- prefer that approach. Um, but, you know, uh, Harry's always still going to find enough of an audience for him to sit there with a psychologist and, and charge 35 bucks a pop for, to hear people whine and for, for him to express his neuroses and his pathologies. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you're seeing a little bit of rollback. And I, I, it would be hard for Harry and Megan um, to to ignore at this point the fact that their media tour in the United States and their shtick did not go over that well.
1: Yeah, I can I can confirm. <laughs> do you think <laughs> that after just hearing some of what I told you about their this report, um, do you feel like you know these opportunities usually lead to other opportunities? Is Harry going to really make? Yeah, and I'm asking your opinion, but do you think that Harry is really going to make a place for himself here or is he going to get enough pushback from Americans that say, you no, know, freedom of speech is really important to us. We know you're new here, but you this don't get too comfortable in this space. Sure.
0: I feel like he's already starting to feel some discomfort and he's already starting to feel some he's he's on the back foot a little bit. And and also to, you know, part of it is that his brother and his father have not reacted. And he yeah. keeps on wanting to get a reaction out of him. Um, and so with the family not reacting and, and them letting him twist in the wind and not being the the heroes that they thought they were going to be, I feel eventually that that's going to get tiresome and he's going to try to we- weasel his way back in. Um, so, I mean, if you're uh, over the next year, maybe not. But if you're if we were to draw out a five year timeline, I imagine uh, he's going to he's going to in some form in a manner. He's trying to save face. will come crawling back.
1: I think you're right. I do. I think that's the only way for him to function. Um, Now, you had talked to Christo as well about like the typical L.A. girl. You knew (laughs) Megan. You knew her ex.
2: So you knew husband number one. um, Yes. And I know a little bit about that relationship because wasn't she? I mean, so when you've met her, she's always been absolutely ruthlessly ambitious, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not something that you wouldn't if you're not to the trained eye, you wouldn't necessarily know it right off the bat. But like I said, I, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I've seen many waves of these types of people right um it was you know you can see a, a certain breed of actress uh typically most actresses because it's an incredibly difficult and incredibly cutthroat profession so um it, not being like megan or that that ruthless and ambitious is actually uh uh it's is the exception not the rule most are like that um but she was somewhat notable and it was known that you know she uh uh she cozied up and and was Married, uh, dated, and then married to someone who had some uh, repute in the entertainment industry, and we everybody suspected it was because she believed it would help her career. And so most. What, people... what,
2: what did her first husband do in the entertainment industry, and how did that manifest itself in their relationship with her? Um, I don't know. Maybe getting opportunities as a result of that. The
0: producer these actresses are going out on i mean their their success rate their hit rate is 0.01 percent right they go even the most successful ones at least on the way up um go on so many auditions and they're they're all out for the same roles and they can go through cycle and cycle of this um you know and without having a leg up without having something notable about them i mean it's really lightning striking for them to get on a television show or get cast in a film um so many you know it, it, it's just as much who you know and having an advocate having someone who's welcome Connected, who's getting you the right auditions, who's making those follow up calls, whether it be your agent, manager, or husband is helpful. And once again, many, many suspected, many people in this sphere suspected that she was. Uh, you know, that, that her impetus for being in this relationship was at least partially because her husband would play that role. And um, they, these people who are closer to him than I am or close to that situation all believe that their suspicions have been confirmed.
2: And did it work? Did she get any of the work, her early work, from, do you think, being connected to him?
0: There's definitely some chatter that she was uh, about to give up and uh, pretty much, you know, her ex-husband went to bat for her and grinded it out to find her a show, any show. And it ended up being Suits. And I've seen her on Suits. I mean, she's not bad. I mean, she's a, a perfectly serviceable actress, but there's a thousand other actresses who could have played that role um, with a similar level of quality. And yes, most people believe that she got it because she was married to someone in the industry who was willing to go that extra mile for her.
1: You had talked to Christo as well about the, like the typical L.A. girl. You knew Megan, <laughs> you knew her ex. But, yeah. um, you know, Megan was that girl that was looking for opportunities. Who can help me? You know, uh, and it's like you said, they're, they're on every corner in this town. Yeah. Um, What happens when the typical L.A. girl hits the jackpot? I mean, what is she going to what are what's her ultimate objective? Because she hit the jackpot. So after you spend all of those years hustling, I mean, yeah. it, it did it did feel like she had everything she could possibly want. For some reason, she rejected it and decided to go in a different direction. But mm. she's here in L.A. Oprah answers her you know, phone whenever she calls like she picks mm. up her calls. What does she do from here? What happens now?
0: Well, and that's the thing about being a public figure. You have to constantly reinvent yourself, right? You can't just, because there's always another news cycle and there's always someone else who's going to be getting the attention. So you do have to keep on coming up with second acts and second seasons and third seasons and fourth seasons. Um, And so in the short run, they're probably going to keep leaning into this faux humanitarian uh, champions of victimhood um, uh, brand that they've clearly been trying to build. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's a position, I feel like she'd probably think it's a little lowbrow to go and get back on a TV show or a movie. And I- I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure there'd be someone who would want to hire her because they figure that her, um, her notoriety would be helpful, but nobody's serious. Tyler would hire her. What Tyler Perry. Yeah, sure. Um, <sighs> God, Tyler Perry. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, same thing, niche, right? Selectively, like they're always going to find someone to buy into their BS. Um, but I think that's also going to get a little tiring when they their real aim is to be the center of attention and they, they're kind of getting secondary attention. Um, and so uh, I, I think- it, it's going to be soon enough, it's going to be very apparent that there's no gas left in the tank from this victimhood thing. But then after that, you know, they'll probably keep on going with it on fumes for a while until they just, it, it, they can no longer, um, uh, they, they can't traffic in the illusion any longer. And, and after that, who the hell knows? I mean, it, it, maybe if it's Prince Harry wanted to go mend the, mend the fences with his family and she doesn't want him to, we'll have to see how that affects the relationship. But um, I feel like that's inevitable sooner rather than later.
1: Um, and I'm so sorry that I've turned you into a royal family expert. Um, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> anything that, that, that they made and everyone's like, oh, well, if you Americans don't want to hear about it, then shut off the table. Like, I'm sorry. It, it, just like the South Park episode, they're making themselves an issue, just like him sticking his nose in the business of online content moderation with the Aspen Institute. Great. I wouldn't talk about him if you didn't do it.
1: Right. Okay. He's yeah. He's making
0: himself newsworthy. If these are important issues that he is toxifying or contaminating. Then I'm going to talk about it.
1: Right. Right. And well, I just want to, you know specifically with the the racism issue with Harry and Meghan which we brought up briefly a second ago mm-hmm. you know the the there were implications made nothing i some people say it's not blatant i watched the oprah interview and i go that is blatant they are saying the royal family is racist Mm -hmm. but they've stepped back from that during harry's interview Uh recently harry said oh i we didn't who said they were racist we didn't say they were racist and then here you know megan specifically says in the oprah interview their child was not given a prince title because he was because he was black well Mm -hmm. you know that last week it was announced he is prince archie it was just protocol that they, you know, that, that 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 they had to wait until the queen died until their son could have that title because it would go to the, you know, immediate grandchild mm-hmm. of the the um, the sovereign. So, yeah. how much more gasoline is in the racism tank, or do you think they're going to pull back on the racism allegations because uh, they look like such liars right now? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think uh, once bitten, twice shy and they got bitten on this one and they it's it's like they're floating out weather balloons and they're they're taking the temperature and they got the response on the temperature on this one um and like i said they look at the social cues they look at the same cues that just Jesse smollett looked at to think hey i can become a real hero and a martyr if i can prove i'm the victim of racism they thought the same thing um obviously trying to apply it a different way and then they realized that 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 the results were not what they wanted, so I think that they're going to try to re-strategize and you know weave back um, and forth into some other category of victimhood. Um, but I think they realize that the the jig is up on that one. But because you brought up the resiliency issue, I'm um, interesting. My podcast I'll be uh, releasing tomorrow. I think might be interesting to a lot of people that. Um, uh, it's a lot of dis- it's a discussion with a very left wing writer named Freddie DeBoer, but he's a left wing a left wing American writer, and he's a no nonsense guy, and he writes a lot about mental health, and he writes a lot about the the distortion of victimhood narratives, um, and how that we're doing people a disservice by trying to um, m- by having more frivolous conversations about mental health instead of focusing more on teaching people resiliency. And he has some pieces that he's written about this, and so I discuss a lot of of that with him including about the overdiagnosis of ADHD and the overprescription of um of of Ritalin and Adderall um and so that does that it, the the conversation about resilience does tie into that so people might you know if you find this conversation interesting you might find that one interesting as well
1: Absolutely I love that idea because it does feel like um you know there was a point in time where talking about mental health was taboo and mm-hmm. and now it now it, it's almost like we're oversharing i don't i don't want to watch you crying on social media i don't you know i don't Absolutely. I need a break. <laughs> and, there was a, and a s-
0: concept in you know a lot of sports broadcasters talk about when a player is so underrated that he becomes overrated. That people when people have been talking about a player being underrated for so long, all of a sudden, oh wait, no, you're we're, he's overrated now because everybody talks about how underrated he was. No, everyone now knows that he's really good, but, we're, but we overestimate that. That's what happened with mental health. That in trying to have in in uh, identifying that we're unwilling to have a conversation about mental health we had too many uh, conversations about mental health because now people are classifying things that are not really clinical mental health issues as mental health issues and it's not helping anybody
1: Matt Belinsky. thank you so much for your time today um Pleasure. everybody should follow you on Instagram uh, and they should absolutely listen to your podcast is there anywhere else people can get a hold of you Twitter you're a great tweet.
0: Thank you very much. Yeah, um, main social media platforms are Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and that's uh, M A T T B I L I N S K Y. My podcast is called The Prevailing Narrative, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So, uh, new episode tomorrow, and you know, usually on either Wednesday or Thursday every week.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Matt.
0: Awesome. My pleasure.